Diane. And hey, it's Todd in Los Angeles. With this week's episode of This Conversation Rocks. And I got to start it with a quote from Georgia Hardstark from My Favorite Murder. So her tweet today is, who would have guessed the revolution would be televised live on ESPN? Ah, yes. Welcome back to the ongoing Trump show. (laughs) Right. Which rivals and surpasses the Truman Show. (laughs) So, So basically, in the last week, Donald Trump, president of the United States person dealing with the arms the, the arms race in North Korea, the world economy, terrorist acts across the world, and everything, decided that the most important problem that is facing America today is the NFL. Absolutely. <laughs> so, as I understand it, from Sports Illustrated, of all places... And I got to say, I have not read anything in Sports Illustrated in 20 years. And the last thing I read 20 years ago, of course, was the swimsuit issue. Because <laughs> it's Sports Fucking Illustrated. It's the most, I don't know, it's People Magazine for sports, right? Like it, That's probably a good way to describe it. It's not relevant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyway, they wrote this editorial yesterday, which they just blasted. The president, who who seems to confuse freedom of speech as not so much a right, but only applicable if you're a white guy. If you're a black guy with an opinion, fuck you, you need to be fired. <laughs> well, or if you're a Nazi protesting in Charlottesville. That's cool. You're, you know, one of the people, good people on both sides. Very good people on both sides. Fuck. (laughs) So the article, you sent me this article, and it was titled, NFL owners should stand up to Donald Trump on national anthem protests. Yeah. From (laughs) sportsillustrated.com. But, so, for people who may have been living under a rock for the last 48 hours, Donald Trump on Friday night was in Huntsville, Alabama, and he is, he was rallying for Luther Strange. Yes, the guy's name really is Luther Strange, who is running against Roy Moore, who is the 10th commandment's wait, 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 wait a second. <laughs> I'm not following this closely enough. Right. Okay. So I'll back up. So Luther Wait a second. Let me see if I get this correct. Trump is actually opposed to Roy Moore. Yes. Even though Steve Bannon is supporting Roy Moore. And publicly broke with Trump this week over Trump's backing of Luther Strange and his backing of Roy Moore. Woo! Right? Mm, boy, howdy. And Roy Moore is actually much more in the Trump mold. So he's, Trump right. is kind of going against his base. Right. <laughs> to be, does Trump have a base? I, you know, I think he does have that unwavering 30%. No, but I mean... But are they really his base, or they're just the unwavering thirty percent, the same unwavering thirty percent that we saw with George Bush, you know, and so on and so forth, right? I think that's valid because you know a week ago everyone was burning their MAGA hats because of his conversation with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure this guy's got a base. It's just there's a hardcore group of idiots. <laughs> 
So, in his effort to appeal to hardcore idiots because he is supporting Luther Strange and not Roy Moore, Donald Trump, and this is in the race to replace Jeff Sessions as the senator from Alabama, Donald Trump decided to attack, not by name, but he decided to attack Colin Kaepernick. I said his name right this time, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and but not just Colin. NFL, anybody. Anybody. Uh, well, honestly, anybody who happens to be a black man in a sports uh, in a in a sports team with an opinion. Or a female black sports anchor with an opinion. Right. Right. So, yeah, let's just be clear. <laughs> <laughs> so his quote, and this is a direct quote from Donald Trump, wouldn't you love to see one of those NFL owners, when somebody disrespects our flag, to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now, out, he's fired, he's fired. So I'm not even going to touch his syntax, which is kind of bizarre. <laughs> I'm also not going to talk about his idiotic comments during the speech about safety in the NFL, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, brain injury, and the NFL getting too soft and, quote, ruining the game. I'm going to leave those behind. (laughs) We're just going to talk about him calling for people in the NFL to be fired. Which, again... That, that is him using his freedom of speech and the government <laughs> the government can't shut him down right uh, you know uh, but this is what I would say to a rational person and so this won't work with him but god damn it it's a sporting event it is not a federally mandated circle jerk <laughs> and therefore you are allowed to do whatever you want to do you know there are repercussions for using your your freedom of speech, you know. For all of us. For all of us. If the NFL really, really had a problem with what these guys were doing, the NFL would be getting rid of them. But you know what? These guys bring in so much money for the NFL, the NFL's like, yeah, well, okay. And in fact, actually, the NFL is getting tired of it, right? Because we've got this great, um, great quote from Kraft, of all people, the owner of the Patriots. Matt. <laughs> right. right but he's a big supporter he was a big supporter in the election cycle of donald trump right but his comment was i am deeply disappointed by the tone of the comments made by the president on friday i am proud to be associated with so many players who make such tremendous contribution or make sorry who make such tremendous contributions and positively impacting our communities their efforts both on and off the field help bring people together and make our community stronger. There is no greater unifier in this country than sports and unfortunately nothing more divisive than politics. I think our political leaders could learn a lot from the lessons of teamwork and the importance of working together towards a common goal. <laughs> the laughter is not in there. That's just me laughing. <laughs> because oh this God. is the owner of the Patriots. Patriots right. <laughs> Our players are intelligent, thoughtful, and can care deeply about our community, and I support their right to peacefully affect social change and raise awareness in a manner that they feel is most impactful. And in (laughs) fact, we're seeing across the board this morning, it's still morning for me, that the NFL is supporting players and their right to protest, and they are coming out united against Donald Trump's statements on Friday night. Yep. 
the president of the Green Bay Packers. It is unfortunate the president decided to use his immense platform to make divisive and offensive statements about our players in the NFL. We strongly believe that players are leaders in our communities and positive influences. They have achieved their positions through tremendous work and dedication should be celebrated for their success and positive impact. We believe it is important to support any of our players who choose to peacefully express themselves with the hope of change for good. As Americans, we are fortunate to be able to speak openly and freely. Right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and just some other things. So these are some other, some things that I wrote just from looking at the games this morning. So multiple players took a knee today. Players who didn't take a knee actually stood in solidarity with other players, even when they decided not to take a knee. The owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars took a knee in the exhibition game in London, and this guy actually donated a million bucks to Trump's inauguration. This guy's not exactly flamingly liberal. The the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, they stayed in their locker room during the national anthem. They didn't even come out and participate. Yeah. The whole team. Now... Is this going to change anything? I don't know. But the thing is, is now Trump is actually fucking with people who have a large Twitter following. Well, and I hope yeah, that I mean, it at you, least you know, changes. I'm... Oh, go ahead. I mean, next next up, you know, I'm hoping Kanye, Kim Kardashian. Right. <laughs> go pick on them and see how that works out for you. You know, I, I hope just, that I'm it just... changes our discourse. You know, that's yeah. what I really hope. I hope that it, it at least changes our discourse around people's right to protest. I have lots of friends who do not agree with players taking a knee during the national anthem. It's their right to disagree. It's still the player's right to take that knee. No kidding, because, again, it is not a federally mandated we're going to shoot you for not standing at attention during the national anthem. Oh, by the way, though, speaking of federally mandated we're going to shoot you if you don't stand at attention during the national anthem, did you see Steve Mnuchin on TV this morning? No, I, because I really try hard not to. <laughs> <laughs> so our favorite treasury, treasury, bleh, let me try that again, treasury secretary, who I love to hate, um, actually got on the news this morning and said, players can do spree- free speech on their own time. That's a direct quote. And then he said that owners should have a rule making players stand and respect the anthem. So he is actually all about mandating that people lose their right to have free speech. And I just want to say that you're the secretary of the fucking treasury and you, sir, have far better things to do than this shit. Right. You I know, mean, number one, as the president the, clearly does not, but you are the secretary of the treasury and you do. Absolutely. As the secretary of the treasury, the last thing he should be enmeshed in is talking about whether or not a player gets civil rights. He needs to be dealing with fucking money. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's insane. I wanted to share this thing that I bookmarked about um, what taking a knee really means. This is written by a teenager. It was shared by a friend of mine. It's her friend's kid, actually. Um, He is 15. And he said, Mom, I don't understand the outrage over taking a knee. It's actually the most patriotic thing one can do when our anthem plays right now. I asked him to explain his train of thought. 
Well, my coach taught me you take a knee when a player is down from any team. You do it as a sign of respect and send energy to that player that he can not only get up, but not have an injury that he can't overcome. You're thanking him for a game hard played and hope he can join it soon. Both teams want the game to begin again, knowing their players are going to be okay and are united in a show of camaraderie. Anyone with half a brain knows that our country is injured. We have people down. It's time for all sides to take a knee and focus their energy on helping the injured so the game can go on. Our team, the U.S., is actually disrespectful if we stand and cheer while we have players down. I love my team. I care for its players. When the anthem plays, I will take a knee and send energy to healing so that the team can play on. I love it. This is a 15-year-old. Yep. He's got more wisdom in his pinky nail than our president has had in his entire life. Absolutely. At the age of 15. Absolutely. But by the way, going back to Mnuchin for just a second, he's, you know, he's the executive producer of a ton of movies. And right, which is bizarre, but go ahead. Yeah. yeah, no, no, but like, is he still doing that? I don't know. I mean, he worked for Goldman Sachs. Is he still doing that? I don't think so. Well, <laughs> I, I remember that he I remember reading, though, that he actually card. he benefited from a, some obscure rule that says you can sell off all your stocks and shares once you've been nominated to a position, but you're not in it yet and you don't yeah. pay a penalty. Like, so you're not penalized for taking a job of government service. So basically, this guy made a shit ton of money. Before he took his government job, which he's now using to milk people for, I don't know, private planes for his honeymoon. Oh, I hate this guy. I know, right? And the fact that he got on TV this morning and weighed in on this is ridiculous. I mean, I think he was doing it as a spokesperson for Trump. I think he was kind of sent out there to take some of the heat. Right, but but... After all this shit with your wife, sir, you really <laughs> want to go do this? Okay, he, he we can do this. apparently did, yeah. Just proof, we can do proof positive that having, you know, economic success and, and highly placed jobs doesn't make you a smart person. <laughs> Nor does it make you qualified to be the Secretary of the Treasury, but... <sighs> so I wanted to share one more thing about... Um, about the NFL, and then we can can move on unless you want to say something else. So I was telling you about this guy. What? I'm just. I, I can't believe I'm spending all this time talking about the NFL. Right. I barely watch football. Every now and then I pay attention to what the Broncos are doing, doing, and what the Seahawks are doing. Otherwise, I barely watch football. I'm not, frankly, honestly, very conversant about what happens in football. Right. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's a touchdown. I get that. They're ahead. I understand. <laughs> uh, right well you know and then uh, with the concussion thing and everything right. you know like, there's like, some real problems here yeah so i can't believe that i am like go nfl mm -hmm. <sighs> no i agree it's it's pretty stunning this is how weird it's gotten well so i was telling you about this guy leland melvin and i'm not sure if our listeners know who he is um he is a former astronaut and a former nfl player some of you may have seen the picture pictures of his official NASA portraits. He posed with his dogs, which of course won me over right away. Yeah, well, yeah. But and he's also an African American guy. So I think, you know, as someone who's highly educated, someone who used to play in the NFL, 
and someone who is black, he has a right to speak out on this issue. So these are his words. To Donald Trump, I believe in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of this country, even though at the time they were drafted, their tenets of life, liberty, and justice for all, and eventual freedom of speech, religion, assembly, assembly excuse me, press, and petition amendment ratified in December of 1791 only applied to a select group of people and not ones who look like me. Donald Trump, I listened to your Alabama rally rant and could not believe how easily you say what you say. We have become numb to your outlandish acts, tweets, and recent retweet of you knocking Hillary Clinton down with a golf ball that you hit. Donald Trump, your boorish and disgusting actions are not funny. They actually promote violence against women, especially when your followers act out on what you say. I used to walk the grounds of UVA in Charlottesville, VA, as a graduate student, only to watch in horror as those same grounds became a battlefield being trod by Nazi and anti-Semitic worshippers armed with assault-style weapons ready to fight to make America white again. Their words. You actually said that there were nice people on both sides. People armed and ready to kill other Americans for the purposes of eradicating blacks, Jews, Hispanics, Mexicans, Asians, Latinas, and even the first real Americans, Native Americans, to make America great again were nice people. Comparing this to what you say in condemnation of an unarmed black man peacefully protesting by exercising his constitutional First Amendment rights by silently taking a knee is appalling, unnerving, and reprehensible. Today, you called Colin Kaepernick a son of a bitch. You said he should be fired. You are calling his white mother a bitch. The strong language in contrast for a black man and a Nazi is very telling. Do you have any sense of decency or shame in what you say to the American people that are part of your duty to serve respectfully with dignity presidentially? Our national anthem has been edited to try not to offend because when Francis Scott Key penned the song, he watched freed slaves fighting for the British and wrote this stanza. And where there is that band who so vauntingly swore that the havoc of war and the battle's confusion, a home and a country should leave us no more, their blood has washed out their foul footsteps pollution. No refuge could save the hiring and slave from the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave. And the star-spangled banner in triumph doth wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave. I guess if I were a slave back then, I probably would have done anything to obtain freedom from my American oppressors who were whipping, killing, raping, dismembering, hanging, or releasing the dogs and people like me all under our Constitution. In 1814, former slaves fought with the British for their freedom from their American enslavers. Key witnessed a battle from a ship off the Maryland shore at Fort McHenry, which inspired him to write what became our national anthem. I serve my country not in the military, but as 362 American astronauts that have explored the universe to help advance our civilization, not just Americans, but all humans. I also was briefly in the NFL and stood for the national anthem with my hand over my heart. What makes us great is our differences and respecting that we are all created equally, even if we are not always treated that way. Looking back at our planet from space really helps one get a bigger perspective on how petty and divisive we can be. Donald Trump, maybe you should ask your good friend, Mr. Putin, to give you a ride on a Soyuz rocket to our International Space Station and see what it's like to work together with people we used to fight against, where your life depends on it. See the world and get a greater sense of what it means to be part of the human race. We call it the orbital perspective. Donald Trump, please know that you are supposed to be a unifier and a compassionate and empathetic leader. If you can't do the job, then please step down and let someone else try. I pray that you do the right thing. May God bless you. Sincerely, Leland Melvin, former astronaut and NFL player.
That's that's great. <sighs> right? I mean, mic drop. I, mean, I don't know what else to yeah. say. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that concludes this. Episode. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. <sighs> This is not what we were planning to talk about, you know. And the funny thing is, this is actually kind of better than what we were planning to talk about. <laughs> well, or it's going better. You know, I couldn't resist it when you sent me that article from Sports Illustrated yesterday, especially because the the uh, news media has really been paralyzed this morning watching what's going on with all of the different NFL games. Right. So. It's just it's that? that oh that's our pump. Um. It's it's pretty amazing though. I mean, we are definitely in bizarre times when the politics of an NFL game become part of our Sunday morning civics lesson. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And the thing is, I know there are people out there who who get pissed and everything and say it's disrespecting the flag. Thinking that America can be better than it is is never disrespecting the country. You know, and I saw a comic earlier this week that had a split screen, Colin Kaepernick on one side, two soldiers slogging through a, a, you know, ditch on the other side, and the soldiers were basically saying, no, we fought for his right to do that. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it just really goes back to free speech. And I've got a Neil Gaiman quote that kind of talks about how you sometimes have to defend things you are, you think are distasteful because oh, yeah. it guarantees all of our rights to speak. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and Colin Kaepernick isn't being violent. He isn't beating the shit out of people in Charlottesville. <laughs> he didn't put Deandre Harris in the hospital in Charlottesville. I mean, yeah, this is peaceful protest. Yeah. People just don't like it because it makes them uncomfortable. <sighs> so um, send your hate mail to POTUS 45, 1600 West Pennsylvania Avenue. <laughs> send your hate mail to somebody who cares. Because <laughs> it ain't us. <laughs> Feel free, feel free to tell the FCC that they need to, you know, ban podcasting. Right, that'll work. You know. How many podcasts are there in the Apple Store now? I can't even count. I can't even keep up, up on the ones I've subscribed to. I had a, a friend of mine is all, is podcasting really still a thing? <laughs> he's like, he's like, well, because, you know, I don't, you know, I'm like, dude, just because you don't listen to podcasts doesn't mean that, like, the rest of the world isn't. I just, uh, sometimes people kind of annoy the shit out of me. So there's a couple of podcasts that, um, are crooked media podcasts that are getting huge attention right now. So Pod Save the People, Pod Save America, Love It or Leave It. Those are all, they're, like, in the top ten of, of the podcast store right now. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny because podcasting really is kind of a niche and people aren't even aware of what the little podcast button on their phone does. It's kind of funny. Yeah. So uh, what we were really going to talk about, and I guess we should talk about that for a little bit anyway. Um, and I actually, so I was all geared up to talk about DACA last week. And then your, right. poor, then your poor dog got sick. 
<laughs> Which yeah. we're happy to say he's doing way better. Yeah. Um and and he and I apparently have medical conditions in common. <laughs> anyway, um, so I texted you later and I was like, I hate to say this, but DACA can wait. So that's actually the title of our podcast this week is DACA can wait because Graham Cassidy burst on the scene. Right. Which is an attempt to get rid of Aka. Right. <laughs> DACA without the D. <laughs> so for people who don't know what Graham Cassidy is, it is yet another repeal and replace for the Affordable Care Act, commonly known as Obamacare. You know, it sounded on Friday night like Graham Cassidy was dead because John McCain came out and said he wouldn't vote for it. But here's where we stand this morning. There's 48 Democratic senators opposing it. John McCain is pretty much a solid no. That makes 49. We still need two more people who are going to oppose Graham Cassidy because they have to squeak it by with 51 votes. If it's 50 votes, then Mike Pence can come in and break the tie. So our possible no's, and tell me if you've got anybody else on this list. So we know that John McCain is a no, although I think we should always assume that... Until, an, until, an, this, thing, until this thing does not come to the floor and the month ends. Amen. We should right. assume that there's the possibility no's can become yeses. So right. the the other ones that I count this morning are Rand Paul, Susan Collins of Maine, Ted Cruz, and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. Which actually is five, right? Right. But none of these people except theoretically at this point are except theoretically at this point John McCain are guaranteed no's. Right. I mean, basically, Rand Paul, Susan Collins, Ted Cruz, they're saying we can't in good conscience vote for it the way that it is. Lisa Murkowski has been saying, well, I need to look at how it's going to impact Alaska. She's not saying anything really solid other than that. So it's still a possibility. And why is it why is it such a big deal? Well, it has to happen by September 30th because the process of budget reconciliation changes after September 30th. Right. So they're apparently, and, and you can maybe help me understand the finer points of this, but they're apparently going to try to repeal under budget reconciliation. And right now they only need 50 votes to do that. The Republican majority only needs 50 votes to do that. Right. Which I don't understand and, you know. It's the Senate. But the rules of budget reconciliation will change as of the beginning of October, and then the majority will need 60 votes to change anything through the process of reconciliation, including replace and repeal or just repeal the Affordable Care Act. Right. So basically, they're trying to cram this down our throats before September 30th so they don't have to come up with 60 votes. They only have to come up with 50 votes. Yes. And that's exactly what this is. It's a move to try to get this through when when the rules give them the best chance of doing it. But as we were talking about before we got on, uh, it's interesting because Murkowski and I'm sorry, the senator from Maine, I forget. Collins. Collins, right? So Murkowski and Collins are probably not going to vote for it because it's too draconian. Mm -hmm. And Cruz and... and 
Paul are going to not vote for it because it's not draconian enough. Or as you said, because it doesn't fuck enough people. <laughs> Which I think is much more appropriate. Yeah, and the thing is, uh, this is interesting, right? So here's... So... The bill would ta- would offer a tax cut to wealthy people by making health savings account more generous. Uh, it uh, boosts the amount of people who could deposit tax-free into a HSA and would also allow people to make tax-advantage catch-up contributions. These would benefit the wealthy more because they pay a higher tax rate. Well, also, they have money to put into... I was just going to say they have more money to put in a health savings account. This would end the Medicaid expansion and then would convert federal Medicaid spending to a fixed amount per person. This bill would then, would keep the federal matching rate lower than projected medical needs, so federal funds per person would decline. States would have to decide whether or not to make up that funding, trim services, or limit who can get Medicaid. And hey, mom, this means you. You're going to get fucked. And this means your mom's husband, who probably is be- having his medical bills covered by Medicare and Medicaid right now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because a lot of seniors get into a place where they have such dire health needs that they spend day on their own resources, and then <clears throat> Medicare and Medicaid pick up the slack. Right. Um, each state that participates in the block grant program could decide how to spend its federal grant money and could waive requirements to cover mental health care. So get ready for more mentally uh, mentally ill people walking the streets, you know. So that should be something we should look forward to. Uh, the bill would get rid of Medicaid expansion money by 2026 and convert all Medicaid spending to a per capita cap, which means the federal money per person will be lower than it is now. <clears throat> and so that's going to impact people with disabilities. Uh, oh, yeah, no, uh, no federal reimbursements for Planned Parenthood care for one year. Um, no guarantee for coverage of people with pre-existing conditions. Uh, each state that accepts the federal block grant funding could waive the rules covering the 10 essential health benefits and other consumer protections that are in the a- ACA currently, uh, which means, uh, I forget what those 10 are, but we'll look that up in a second because they're kind of critical. Uh, insurers could take the health status into account and raise rates for people pre-existing conditions in those states. So I want to really like hone in on what this means economically because it this really hit me. And this is something where regardless of who you are or what you support, when you look at what Graham Cassidy is going to do, In the second stage, which is where you're talking about the funding for Medicaid expansion goes away, California, by 2026, loses $28 billion in healthcare spending. New York loses eight, or I'm sorry, $19 billion in healthcare spending. If you just look at that economic hit alone, if you divorce it from the politics of we don't think that this class should be protected and get health care or whatever, if you divorce it from all of that, California is going to lose $28 billion. California is the fifth biggest economy on the planet. Yeah. I mean, just economically, that's going to be devastating. 
if, if you look at what states are going to have to do to manage this money as a block grant rather than the way that we are currently managing this money, they're going to have to pass new legislation to say where funds go and who allocates those funds. They're going to have to put new administrative rules into place. They're going to have to form new agencies to direct these funds. So when you think about the time and the cost to each state to put those things in place, they're losing money and they're going to have to spend more money to figure out how to spend the money that they're getting as a block grant. Again, yep. if you divorce it from all of the politics of who gets care and who doesn't, you're still looking at a ginormous economic hit to each of these states. Yep. And I was looking at some notes from Kaiser Family Foundation. They estimate that 31 states out of 50 will see funding reduction over time. Medicaid actually serves 70 million people in the United States. That's about one-fifth of our population. Mm-hmm. When stage three of Graham-Cassidy is implemented. So stage one is basically for the first two years, we're going to leave the Affordable Care Act in place, but we're going to cut off the individual and employer mandate immediately, which means that immediately they will no longer penalize individuals and employers for not offering health care, which takes away people's motivations to buy into the market. Stage two, the funding cuts start. Stage three, the funding goes away. So the funding and appropriations to support Graham-Cassidy and to support these block grants expire. And what that means is that Congress is going to have to figure out, are we going to pass new legislation to support these block grants or are the states just going to have to figure it out on their own? So there's a possibility of giant budget shortfalls that we haven't even grappled with yet. No, not a possibility. A guarantee. Right. That's why it's written this way. It's because they want to fuck everybody and then kick it down the road to where it can't be recovered from. Right. And they figure that people are going to be so numbed and so damaged by then that people aren't going to be able to fight back. Yep. So some of the stuff that you mentioned, I want to kind of hone down on some of those things, too. So, like I said, it's going to get rid of the mandate for individuals to buy health insurance and employers to cover it. States can still choose to pass their own mandates, but what states are going to do that? Right. And what that really means is that because we no longer have employers buying into the individual market, because we no longer have individual consumers buying into the private insurance market, rates are going to go up, premiums are going to skyrocket, and there's an estimate that by 2020, the individual market could fail completely. Right. Which means that you and I are screwed because that's where our health health insurance comes from. Yep. And it means most of the people listening to us are screwed because that's probably where most of our friends get their health care as well, if they're lucky enough to have insurance. Right. Let's um, say that again. Screwed. <laughs> right. Um, the other thing is that um, somehow, and I'm not quite sure how this works, but I, I was reading an article in Business Insider because I wanted to have a relatively nonpartisan source. So there's this thing called the State Reinsurance Fund. And what that basically means is that insurance companies are going to get extra money to offset their losses from insuring people who are sick. So we're cutting the money that we give to individual states we're making the insurance market harder for individual people, but we're giving insurance companies more money because they lose money covering people who are sick, which is what they're supposed to do in the first place. Right. 
Um, what you said about states determining what essential health benefits are. So the thing that's really freaky about that is that means that your coverage could depend on where you live. Right. So maybe because California is a more blue state, you guys are going to have way better coverage than, say, people in Alaska because we're a deep sea of red. And and when we talk about essential health benefits, we're talking about substance abuse treatment, mental health treatment, preventive health care like pap smears, testicular exams, prostate exams, mammograms. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're talking about things that are trying to keep keep people well and healthy and functioning. Yeah. So again, if you go back to just the sheer economics of it and kind of leave the politics aside for a minute, when we cut essential health benefits, we're actually cutting the stuff that keeps people healthy, working and contributing. Yeah. Ugh. I don't feel strongly about this at all. Right. <laughs> Another thing that we need to talk about is that the Congressional Budget Office can't score this because of the timing with which it was introduced. Right. Which is, again, obviously an attempt to make sure that they can do it. Right. right? And, you know, what that basically means is that this nonpartisan organization that is designed to determine the budgetary impact of policy isn't going to be able to tell any one of us how much this act is really going to cost. Right. And the scary thing about that is that, again, leave the politics alone for a minute. That means you, me, and my uber conservative friends who are posting all of this angry shit on Facebook about the NFL this morning. <laughs> that means none of us are going to know what we pay for this legislation. Right. But I don't feel strongly about this at all. <laughs> uh, I, I just want to cry. <laughs> well, and, and so one of the reasons that I wanted us to talk about it today, and I was saying to Todd, I'm going to, I swear to God, I'm going to hang up and edit this so we can get it posted today, is that anyone who hears this, anyone who feels like sharing this, please call your senators this week. Your senators, regardless of how they're going to vote, need to hear your opinions, regardless of how you feel about it. If you feel like this is a great bill, your senators need to hear your opinions. We can't be silent about this stuff anymore. We ha I mean, my senators are on speed dial, for fuck's sake. <laughs> That's how upside down this world is. <laughs> who's, your who's the second senator up there? Oh, he's a douchebag. His name is Dan Sullivan. Okay. He's uber conservative. He almost always votes with Donald Trump. In fact, I don't think there's anything that he's opposed yet. Um, and he actually sent me this glowing letter this week about how great uh, all of these efforts to repeal the Affordable Care Act are. So great. But I don't. I, I don't think. I don't think that word means what you think that means. I, and I don't think that it really means that he looked at any of my comments, but. <laughs> But I will say, in fairness to his staff, every time I have spoken to someone on his staff, they have been very polite and very appropriate, even though they know I'm calling in with a different opinion. Yep. Which is very different from Don Young's office. He's our sole congressman. Is he still your sole congressman? He is still our sole congressman. And I would have to say that the people who staff his office must be pretty freaking tired because <laughs> they have some challenging attitudes when you call with with opposition views. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, but yeah, absolutely. I wanted people to please call. Please call your senators and let them know what you think. Because not only is this something that's going to impact people who are receiving Medicaid and benefiting from Medicaid expansion, but it's going to crash the market for all of us. Yep. And I mean, we're already seeing it. Our deductible went up to a 30% deductible this year. I'm sorry, not our deductible, our copay, excuse me. Our copays are now 30% instead of 20%. Our deductible doubled this year. And we have some of the best insurance in the state of Alaska. And that's before the market crashes. That's just the market correcting for the stuff that we're already seeing. The other thing that's kind of scary, and I actually didn't realize this, but... um, I was reading somewhere, this was in Washington Post, that the structure of the block grants that Graham Casty provides for to the states to replace Medicaid funding, it is absolutely dependent on private insurance industry participating in insuring people. So what could happen in, in terms of crashing the market is that insurance co- companies could say, great, awesome, we're glad that block grant is there, but this is too high a risk and we're not participating in this particular individual market anymore. Right. So even if the money is block granted to the states, there may be no insurance companies that want to participate in insuring people. Yep. Which is a problem. Right. I mean, you know... I've said all along, we have to take the insurance companies out of the equation. You know, people rant and rave about how horrible physicians are and how horrible hospitals are. And I'm not going to disagree that there are some greedy fucks out there who are way more interested in dollars than people. But the real evil is the insurance industry. Right. I know. At a certain point, you're just like, well, fuck. Right. I mean, I don't, again, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I think that that there's a reasonable possibility with John McCain coming out on Friday and saying he would not support this. I think there's a reasonable chance it's dead in the water. But the voting's not over until it's over. That's right. And I was actually watching meet the press this morning and they were interviewing a guy named mark short who is the white house director of legislative affairs and he promised that there would be a vote on this by wednesday so even with john mccain saying he's a no vote there's the white house is still pushing for a vote in the senate on this on wednesday which means people have to call yeah so please call please call please 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 please. (sighs) so what else you got uh, Trump on North Korea, they won't be around much longer. Oh, God. And he had to rip off Elton John and Bernie Toppin this week. Topin, Toppin, Toppin. Uh, what did he do? Um, oh, rock, Rocket, Rocket Man. Man. Yeah. yeah. Because that is adult and and presidential discourse in front of the UN. <laughs> Not even going to talk about that UN appearance. <laughs> Right, we're going to leave that with his syntax and his um, his conversation around CTE and NFL safety. <laughs> oh my god. Um, first world problems. I still haven't decided if I'm getting a housekeeper or a Roomba or both. 
I'm so sick of my disgusting house. It's rained, rained, rained buckets here. And the degree of mud and soil, yeah. not blood and soil, is just atrocious. I think you get the Roomba and the housekeeper. That's kind of where I'm leaning. Look at it this way. You're contributing to the economy. There you go. The other first world problem. So I got a new ear piercing this week. Okay. <laughs> and, it, and it really fucking hurts. <laughs> My headphones are pressing down on it right now, and I'm like, really, I could use a break. <laughs> so I got a doth. Have you? Do you know what a doth piercing is? No, of course not. Okay, so first of <laughs> Cause all, because I'm old. Well, and so am I, right? Because I looked at the piercer and I'm like, I know I'm not going to pronounce this right. Because it's spelled D-A-I-T-H. Okay, and I wait, said... And D so I'm, D spell it again. D-A-I-T-H. And so I was like, I don't know. Is it Dieth? Is it Dieth? And he kind of laughed and he was like, no, it's Doth. And I was like, see, I'm just not cool. So it's a Ow. piercing... Right? Yeah. Why did you do that? It was pretty fucking painful. Because I think... Yeah, because it's cartilage. <laughs> Solid fucking cartilage. What is wrong with you? Oh, well, my cartilage on my ear tip is already pierced. So I've done the cartilage piercing before. Yeah. So I did not get this piercing for this reason. But there is anecdotal information out there that it can help manage migraines. And I've talked to people who've had it done who say that their migraines are significantly reduced by this particular piercing. Supposedly, it's like an acupressure or acu acupuncture point. Sure. I just did it because I think it looks cool. It fucking hurts. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. <laughs> the guy who did it was so funny. First of all, he was like, why do you want this? And I said, I just, I, I'm not getting it for any particular reason other than I think it's a really cool piercing. And he was like, okay, I just wanted to make sure you weren't one of those people who was coming in looking for a miracle migraine cure. He's like, I, you know, I've seen it help people. I do not guarantee this as a migraine cure. I'm like, no, 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 that's not me. I'm not looking for that. And he was like, the other thing is, I'm going to tell you, this piercing is pretty salty. As in, it really fucking hurts. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, totally. there you go. First world problems. <laughs> oh, shit. Ben, uh, that just, ow. <laughs> Glad you like it. By the way, I can see why it totally would work on the migraines, right? Because you're distracted by the pain in your ear. You know, I have to be honest with you. That's totally what I was thinking. Like, that night and still today. So, I had it done on Thursday. Today is Sunday. Still today, I'm like, people just don't perceive their migraines as being as painful as their frickin' ear. <laughs> Oh, oh my god that is funny but no but i mean you know i hope you liked it and, yeah well so here's the other thing that's really funny so apparently this particular piercing is very challenging to change should you want to put different jewelry in it or should you need to take the jewelry out for some reason yeah so, absolutely like i'm totally gonna be like okay i want to change my earring i have to go back to the guy who pierced my ear and pay five dollars to have him change my earring <laughs> Right, because there's no way you can do that yourself. Right? It's ridiculous. It's totally a, probably a midlife crisis thing. That's what I'm guessing. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> the rest of us are just going to live our midlife crisis vicariously through you. I'm good with that. I, I'm, I'm not planning on doing that. <laughs> Although if you develop migraines, it may be an option. May. 
<laughs> Maybe, right? Well, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, this conversation rocks does not endorse the doth piercing as a cure for migraines. I'm just saying that out loud. <laughs> uh, so oh did you go God. did you go with a bar or a ring what did you do i did a captive ring with a, a jewel in it yeah okay yeah it's pretty cute i like it yeah i will no, tell I you also that putting a stethoscope in my ears with that in my ear is pretty tender too though i yeah <laughs> i actually had a patient Actually, a mom and her two kids who were my patients giggling at me on Saturday. I was like, I know. I know. <laughs> I just hope it makes me more human to be a little freakish when I walk into the exam room. Uh, <laughs> see, I, I have no idea what your professional demeanor is. <laughs> Well, I mean, you lost me with the words professional and demeanor. <laughs> exactly, right? So no, I, I mean, actually, that's not true. People, I, I have gotten very positive feedback about the patients that I see for the most part. I mean, there's always going to be somebody who's unhappy. But for the most part, the the patients that I'm serving seem to really like me. And I feel like I have good relationships with my patients. But, I mean, I am who I am. I'm a pretty open book. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's why we love you. Right. That's <laughs> why some people love me anyway. <laughs> so you got anything Anything for the Hall of Honorable Mention? No. <laughs> I, I decided not to do a Fuck That Guy again, because it seems like lately, right. like for the last 15, 16, 17 months, it's been nothing but a Fuck That Guy every time we record. Right. Um, I did want to say before I went into my Hall of Honorable mention that there's a lot of blamey stuff around Bernie introducing Medicare for All this week. So a lot of people are saying, we wouldn't have the Graham-Cassidy bill if Bernie hadn't introduced Medicare for All this week. And I just want to tell those people, go fuck yourself. Don't kid yourself, people. Right? <laughs> the two things are completely unrelated. The, what what Graham Cassidy is really related to, and you and I said this a few minutes ago, is the fact that as of October 1, Republicans are going to have to come up with 60 votes to replace and repeal. That's what this is all about. Absolutely. So anybody who wants to talk about Medicare for All, I'd be glad to have that as a separate conversation. And I suspect at some point we will. Didn't we do that already? Well, we talked about the Affordable Care Act, and we talked about some of the limitations, which no, is no, no. Last last year, last year we did, last year we did uh, the whole thing on. Uh... Uh, we kind of talked about we we talked about doing an update. Oh, okay. So we talked about the Affordable Care Act and, Act, and we did talk about single payer, but we talked about possibly doing an update. Yeah. So you know, all, should... all I'm gonna say is that we are we're the only. Western democracy that does not provide health care. Right. <laughs> Which is just, there's a problem with that. Oh, you know what? I do have a fuck that guy. Okay. There's more of a fuck that thing. I just want to say, hey, guys, it is now 924. Nah, 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 nah. The world did not end <laughs> yesterday as predicted. Did you see that my sister posted? No, you don't because you're not on Facebook anymore. So my sister posted this thing to my Facebook page that was like, it was a, a frequent user punch card for rapture survivors. And she's like, just about filled up my punch card. 
it was pretty funny. I'll have to try to share it to this conversation rocks. So let's see. Oh, okay. So Doomsday is not on Saturday after all, writer says after predicting end of the world. Oh, so when did they bump it to? I just want to be prepared. Uh, he said that uh, it won't end on September 23rd. I don't want... <laughs> but I hope that that gets recorded because the Carmina Burana is totally appropriate for this conversation. <laughs> Saturday will only mark the beginning of a series of catastrophic events to occur over several weeks. Well, okay, Trump was at the UN. <laughs> Point taken. <laughs> The point, the world is not ending, but the world as we know it is ending. Okay, QR. I mean, yeah. <laughs> a major part of the world will not be the same in the beginning of October. Uh, he said his prediction is, I won't even give this guy's name because he doesn't deserve even that much, but he said his prediction is based on verses and numerical codes found in the Bible, specifically the, the book of Revelations. He said recent events such as solar eclipses and hurricanes our omens of an approaching apocalypse. Okay, except for the fact that this shit happens all the time. And the this, significant That's gonna be the lamest prediction ever, considering everything we've gone through in the last several weeks, the hurricanes, the fires, the earthquakes. I mean, come on. Right. Okay, so then the significant number is thirty three. Jesus lived for thirty three years. Oh the name the name Elohim, which is the name of God for the Jews was mentioned 33 times. <laughs> this dude is listening to the preacher podcast that my sister and I are doing because <laughs> she has a biblical numerology corner specifically for preacher. Yeah. It's this... very it's very biblically significant, numerologically significant number. I'm talking astronomy. I'm talking the Bible <laughs> and merging the two. <laughs> oh, this guy so, is a, so... a fan of the good news, the gospel according to AMC's preacher. Hallelujah. <laughs> The significant number is 33. Wait, because September 23rd is also 33 days since the August 21st solar eclipse. Oh, my God. An event, I want to say an event that happens every fucking year, just not necessarily in the United States. And not, and not to necessarily the degree that we were able to view it this year. Yeah. But yes, uh, eclipses happen all the time. Right. And then, of course, uh, planet Nibiru. Which will pa which passed Earth yesterday on the twenty third, which will cause vi volcanic eruptions, tsunamis, earthquakes. Well, you know, okay, Mexico City, right? I mean, this guy's hitting it, you know. I I will tell you, I've never heard of the planet Nibiru. I feel kind of dumb. Yeah, it's it's apparently their name for Planet X, right? But you know, I mean, the fact the thought that somehow that there is a planet floating out there that we've just missed that's you know oh my god passing in earth near orbit or whatever right and we're like what, what was that hail zenu hail zenu <laughs> <laughs> god. um okay ed stetzer a professor and executive director of wheaton college's billy graham center for evangelism slam the theory calling it fake news and ask christians to be critical god when you have somebody who works for billy graham asking people to be critical uh, send your hate mail to somebody else <laughs> brian williams care of the 11th hour at msnbc.com absolutely <laughs>
Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so and so again, fuck that guy. <laughs> but do collect stamps on your Rapture Survivor punch card because I promise there will be something good in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Alright, let's end this thing. Okay, well I have a Hall of Honorable Mention and then I have a Neil Gaiman quote. So my Hall of Honorable Mention is a group called Life After Hate. You can find them at lifeafterhate.org and I, so I'm starting I'm really trying hard to meditate every day and I'm at about 80-90%. Um, what I'm doing to motivate motivate myself to meditate every day is I put a dollar aside every time I meditate and then that money gets sent to a good cause. So my first 30 days, uh, I can't remember. I can't even remember what I sent my first 30 days to, but it was something that I deemed to be a worthy cause. Um, this time, my, my second 30 days are going to go to Life After Hate. And what it is is it's a group founded by former members of the violent far right and that is how they describe themselves they have have since left the far right movement and they've dedicated themselves to helping people leave hate groups and to helping organizations deal with intolerance and racism and they are really amazing i i heard an interview with Kristen picciolini i hope i'm saying his name right Kristen picciolini um he was one of the founders on Democracy Now! a few weeks ago, and he was so motivating and so inspiring. So I just really want to support this group's efforts. And they actually had funding from the Obama budget to continue to work on outreach, and they lost that funding when Donald Trump took office. So I am I'm dedicating the merits of my meditation practice to people who are trying to help help people who are in the far right leave that and see a better way to live. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, life after hate, guys. Look it up, and if you're motivated, contribute. Yep. Um, and now Neil Gaiman. So I, I was like, you know, I just sometimes try to find things that are pertinent to the things that we're talking about. So I looked for a Neil Gaiman quote on free speech, and I thought this was really good because I struggle with this. I struggle with the fact that there are times that I'm going to have to tolerate the indefensible, like calling Colin Kaepernick a son of a bitch. Um, so if you, this is Neil Gaiman, if you accept, and I do, that freedom of speech is important, then you are going to have to defend the indefensible. That means right. you're going to be defending the right of people to read or write or say what you don't say or like or want said. The law is a huge, blunt weapon that does not and will not make distinctions between what you find acceptable and what you don't. This is how the law is made. People making art find out where the limits of free speech, or I'm sorry, free expression are by going beyond them and getting into trouble. The law is a blunt instrument. It's not a scalpel. It's a club. If there's something you consider indefensible and there is something that you consider defensible, Sorry, indefensible and defensible. I'm slaughtering this quote. Um, let me start that over. If there is something that you consider indefensible and there is something that you consider defensible, the same laws can take them both out. You are going to find yourself defending the indefensible. Absolutely. I think I completely slaughtered that, but you know where I'm going. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you know, and the thing is, is that I completely agree. How can you not agree? Right. I yeah. mean, I struggle with it. I don't want to hear Donald Trump talk about pussy grabbing, but, and I, and I think that we should have to be responsible for what we say. 
Right, because because again, uh, seems to be some confusion in this country lately. Freedom of speech is not something that allows you to just say whatever the fuck you want without consequence. Freedom of speech says that you can say whatever the fuck you want without the government coming and arresting your ass. There you go. That's exactly right. You know, and the thing is, because we have that, people get to say some pretty shitty stuff. Yep. Uh, I'm thinking of you, Westboro Baptist Church. God hates fags and all right. the other horrible things they say. Yep. At military funerals. I mean, they are reprehensible people, but they have the right to do that. You know, and you we have the right to shout them down. Right. Yeah, I can't abolish that. Yeah. You have the right to, you know, worship Hitler or whatever the fuck it is that you're doing. You know, nobody can say otherwise. But we have but, the right to counter protest. Yeah. And the other thing is, if, you know, what should have happened with President Trump and the pussy grabbing was that he should not have been able to get elected after that. Yes. That should have been the outcome and the consequence of your actions. Not entirely sure, as most of us are not entirely sure why that didn't happen, but okay. It didn't happen, but it will happen. You know, Colin Kaepernick, he's not employed by the NFL this year, right? And There's a variety of, variety of reasons, but, you know, part of it is undoubtedly that people just didn't, you know, teams didn't necessarily want to adopt the drama that was going on around him. And I was talking about Chris Clue earlier. I hope I'm saying his name right. It's spelled K-L-U-E-W. No, K-L-U-W-E, excuse me. Um, he was a kicker. He lost his job because he protested against what he saw as injustice, and he's not employed in the NFL anymore. Right. I don't agree with it. I think he's a great person, and I think the things that he has to say are really valid things, but, right. you know, we all are responsible for our speech. Yeah, I mean, if you go in and if you go out and start bad-mouthing your employer... You're probably going to be out of a job. I'm just saying. Yeah. You know, but nobody can say that you can't do it. And I'm not saying that you can't do it. I'm just saying that, you know, if you do it, there are consequences, you know, but those consequences, those consequences do not include being put in jail. Right. Right. And they should not, honestly, should not include threats on your life, you know, because threats on your life is actually a crime in which people can be put in jail. Right. Constitution 101 over. Defend the indefensible. (laughs) That's Constitution 101, right? Right, yeah, absolutely. uh, There was a great, great line in uh, The American President, uh, uh, the movie several, several years ago, but, uh, you know, where he's like, United States democracy is complicated because it is. It is you having to accept the fact that you're going, you have to defend the right of the guy who is screaming at you at the top of his voice about something that you would spend your entire life screaming the exact opposite at the top of yours. Mm-hmm. Put that right, but you know, it gets the point, which is defend the indefensible. Be glad that we can argue with each other. Yep. And then, guys. And then, guys, walk the fuck away from the argument. <laughs> just an argument. <laughs> go out, go out, and do something else. <laughs> you know, donate some Listen. money to Life After Hate. <laughs> exactly. Right. Or 
Go watch a football game. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Or don't watch a football game if it pisses you off, but for heaven's sake. (laughs) But for heaven's sake, call your senators and tell them that this is bullshit. Yeah. Tell them that that Graham Cassie sucks and needs to sink. Yep. All right. We have totally been all over the map and down every rabbit hole again, but it's been great, 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 as usual. Well, I hope people enjoy it and found this somewhat logical. So. <laughs> and if not, who cares? I love you, man. <laughs> love you too. All right. All have right. A good week. You too.